Today's first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, which can be found in your pew Bibles on page 178. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. Luke 8, verses 4 to 21. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, he who, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. 
Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. Now Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. The word of the Lord. I'm going to add one more verse. We've been using Psalm 40 to uh, guide our worship. In the middle of Psalm 40, uh, in verse 6, there's this really strange image. The verse says, the verse 6 says this, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Some translations have my ears you have opened. Actually, a really literal translation is my ears you have dug. You have dug ears for me. I'm going to leave you with that image. God having to dig ears for us, open our ears somehow. And as we begin to reflect on these passages, let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that we have that speaks life to us. And our prayer is that you would open our hearts so that we could receive this word, so that it could speak to us. They could address our lives and do business with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are working here at Knox through a series on worship. We've been exploring what what is it that we do in worship, some of the practices, some of the postures, how we engage in worship. So we're looking at what and how and a lot of the whys too. Why do we do what we do in our worship services? Today we're going to focus in on a central priority of worship, which is to listen to the Word of God. And so for just a moment right now, what I want you to do is quiet your heart, quiet your body, and do just that. Listen. For just a moment, just be quiet and listen. What did you hear? What did you hear as you listened? Maybe your own breathing, the rise and fall of your breath. Maybe your own pulse, your heart. Maybe the the hum of the air conditioning, the HVAC system. Maybe the creak of a pew under a squirming bum. Maybe a cough. So much goes on that we just miss. Listening. Listening is, is one of the most foundational pieces of what it means to be human. Think of it. Before you were ever born in the womb, you were already listening. Talk to a mom about how their child in the womb can respond to the voices of the parents. It's a remarkable thing. And then when that baby is born, that baby spends the next few months listening. Listening to people and loved ones coo and sing and whisper and talk to them. 
Think of language acquisition, how we acquire the capacity to speak. We acquire the capacity to speak by listening first. We hear the sounds, the strange utterances of people around us, and then we begin to mimic those, to echo those back. And slowly but surely, we acquire language. And it all begins with listening. A few months ago, uh, my wife Betty um, spent a few days where she lost her voice. She couldn't speak above a croaky whisper. Um, Imagine a spouse who can't say a word back to you. Whatever issue came up, I had the last word. How about that? (laughs) Me and the kids, we had a little fun. Now, all Betty could do was smile and nod. That was fun for a day. I cannot imagine that for a lifetime. I cannot imagine being unable to hear her voice again, to hear her laugh, to hear her encourage, to hear her express love or to disagree or or to argue and to make up with us. For one day, it was a little fun. For a lifetime, it would be tragic because here's the thing, where there is love and where there is relationships, there are voices spoken. There is words. There are voices that speak in ears that hear where there is love and relationship, which is why God's people have always given privileged and priority place to God's word, to the Bible. This is why we in our worship services dedicate a central focus and dedicate a significant amount of time to to reading and to reflecting on God's word. We do all sorts of things in worship. We sing, we pray, we give, but a priority act that sort of traces its way throughout the whole worship service and in a central way, an act is listening to God, giving attention to, orienting our attention, our lives around the life-giving voice of God, listening. In worship, we listen for two main reasons. We listen because God is speaking and because we are such bad listeners. And we need to practice this. The world is a creating cosmos. Is a, the creation, sorry, is a communicating cosmos. And God's voice is just goes out throughout and it is the most precious thing we can possibly hear. Think of how the universe began. The universe began, it was formless, it was dark, it was empty. But that emptiness and that darkness gave ear to the voice of God. And that voice of God pierced that chaos and called out order and beauty and life. And God creates a listening universe, a world that responds to his voice. And then throughout the Bible, listening is the central activity of God's people. We are people who are gathered by, formed by, shaped by, held together by God's word. The central command of God's people in the Old Testament, we read it, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was a prayer that continues to be spoken morning and evening by the Jewish people. Um, It is something called the Shema. And the Shema comes from the first word, which is hear. Listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear. Listen. And so from dawn in the morning where the prayer is first said till dusk, till the end of the day, their whole life, our whole life is framed and filled and bookended by listening, reminding us this is our central call. 
you and I, we become followers of Jesus by listening. Listening is the first act of any disciple because Jesus calls you to himself. The disciples dropped their nets and they followed Jesus because they heard him call and say, follow me. Listening is the core of our apprentice, our apprenticeship to Jesus as we continue to listen for his instruction, his guidance. Think of when Jesus was baptized. A voice, a dove descends, a voice comes from heaven and speaks, the voice of God and says, this is my son, the one whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. And what does Paul say about the life of faith? Paul says faith comes from hearing. And what is heard is the word of Christ. The Bible is filled with all these commands to listen. The ear is the primary organ of faith. And in fact, throughout the Bible, there's this repeated phrase. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament again and again. We heard it in one of the passages today. Let those with ears to hear listen. Whoever has ears to hear, listen. So listening is foundational to to being a human. It is foundational to following Jesus. And so in worship together, we gather around the Bible, God's word, in order to listen for the voice of God. Through reading scripture, through reflection, in a sermon, we listen. We do that in our home churches as we gather around scripture to study it. We do it in private devotions as we read our Bibles. We're seeking to listen. Now, I want to pause here for a minute Because as we attempt to listen to God, we use a certain technology to do that, which can sometimes lead us askew. We use a technology called print. It's a book. It's the Bible. We focus on a book. We read it. But the primary way Scripture reveals or shows how God is engaging us is He speaks. He didn't write anything. God didn't. He speaks. Christians, sometimes people say Christians are people of the book. Not true. We are not people of the book. Muslims are people of the book. Christians are people of the word, and more specifically, the word known in Jesus Christ. But let me, let me put the issue this way, a little bit different. Reading scripture is not the same thing as listening to God. Reading scripture, it's not the same as listening to God. Reading and listening are, are different activities, actually. And in worship, we, we read, but we're focusing on listening to God. We read aloud from the Bible. You ask pastors like me to get educated, to study, to reflect on scripture so that together we can reflect on its meaning, on its message. But the intent of this among people of faith has always been to listen to God. Our reading had better arrive at listening to the voice. Eugene Peterson, who's a Presbyterian pastor, helpfully notes how, how a book, like the Bible, is always in service of God's voice. So God speaks first, right? That is the prior thing, God speaks. And that, 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 that spoken proclamation is written down. It's written in a book. And we then, centuries apart, can pick that up and we can read. But the intent is then that we get to the voice, that we listen. The middle two terms, see there's the sequence, speaking, writing, reading, listening, and it's those two middle terms that are in service of the primary one, which is speaking and listening. Whenever we pick this book up, we're not reading, we're seeking to listen. 
Listen to the living voice of God. God speaks a living word in the Bible is the written representation of that word. We read scripture to listen to, to that life-giving voice of God as he addresses us. Sometimes we miss that though. We just read a book. We close it. We put it away. We missed the voice. Isn't that why Jesus got so angry with so many of the religious people of his day? Because they were experts at the book. They had all the details of the book down, but they missed the living voice of God in it. Now, this raises a related matter as well. Throughout the Bible, there's this repeated struggle, this repeated issue about hearing the word of God and doing it. You know, for instance, Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount by comparing people who listen to his words, but who don't act. He says it's sort of like building your house on a sandbank, and then people who actually listen to his words, but live them out. That's a life well-founded, he says. And that's a repeated emphasis throughout the Bible. It's on doing. Don't just listen. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. So why are we just talking about hearing? When the Bible talks about listening, It's not just imagining only the physical act of hearing, the physical sensory act. It always connects hearing and doing in sort of an integrated whole. Listening and obedience are words that are pretty much interchangeable throughout Scripture. Maybe we could put it this way. Um, Hearing is something that happens to you. It is a physical sensory act. Some noise comes. You can't block that noise, right? You hear it. It happens to you. Listening is more than letting sound waves impact your eardrums. Listening is something we choose. We choose to focus and orient our attention, our thoughts around what it is we've heard. Hearing is is an act of the sense, but listening is an act of the will. It is chosen obedience. Listening is this wholehearted, full-bodied engagement of eardrums, yes, but also something that echoes deep into our soul and resonates in our lives. And we're not really listening unless we are responding with our whole heart, our whole mind, our soul, our strength. The life of a follower of Jesus is a listening life of obedience. And so in the very first teaching parable of Jesus, the first parable in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, The very inaugural teaching parable is the same one in every gospel, and it is a parable about listening. I find that fascinating. All three of the gospels launch out Jesus' teaching ministry with this parable on listening. Let those who have ears listen up. And there's a fascinating thing going on in the parable, too. It's not, again, about hearing. It's about listening. The story, of course, the parable is about a farmer sowing seed, casting it about, and of course, seed flies everywhere. Some of it falls on hard ground, sort of this pathway, some of it on rocky ground, some of it among the weeds, and then some on some good soil. And the seed that falls among the good soil produces a great harvest. Jesus says the seed is God's word, the soil, that's our lives, that's our hearts. Now, in his telling and in his explanation of the parable, it's interesting, Jesus says every person hears. Every person hears, no matter where that seed goes, every person is hearing the word of God. The seed is scattered everywhere. The farmer tosses its seed this way and that way. Everyone hears, not everyone listens. The first kind of soil Jesus mentioned is sort of this trampled down hard footpath. These are people, Jesus said, who hear, but the seed doesn't penetrate their lives. 
Seed gets eaten up by birds, which Jesus later says is a picture of how the devil comes and steals away the word from our hearts. This snatching away of God's word is just the major work of the evil one, sort of thwarting us from, from that word getting into us. Second kind of soil, Jesus says, is that there's this rocky ground. It's a situation of the people compared uh, to rocky ground. This situation is it's a little more complex. Because again, they hear the word of God, and not only that, they receive it. It actually gets into their lives. It begins to take root, and life appears, and these people rejoice at what God is doing in their life. The gospel brings this peace and this freedom and this joy. But then, hardship comes, and, and, and they maybe get scandalized. They, get, they can't figure their faith out. Maybe they thought their faith was meant to free them from any hardship or difficulty. Faith isn't what they thought, and so they reject it because of struggle or persecution. And then there's a third kind of soil, which is sort of like this weedy patch. Again, these are people who hear the word and receive it. The seed of the gospel gets in again, bringing them to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Their faith is genuine, right? It develops, and it fears, if it, it feels like it's full of promise. And while it appears promising, it, it never matures, because many different distractions arise and their faith withers from neglect because they're worried about so many other things competing for their attention. Distraction is one of the biggest, most insidious enemies of faith. Deadly distractions. Jesus mentions life's worries, riches, pleasures. Now there are real cares and worries in life. We worry about our employment, about building a career, about finances, about families, about homes and real estate markets. They're real. But if you let them, they'll, they'll take all of your attention. They will redirect your life away from God. Your faith will wither, Jesus is saying. And along with those real concerns, there are all sorts of other things that will distract our attention you know, there's some people today who say, actually, uh, we don't live uh, in an information economy. We live in an attentional economy where our attention is the thing that marketers vie for. Every little square inch of space, there is some marketer trying to get your attention. Someone once said, I went through, you know, the security line at the airport and the bottom of the tray that you put your little goods in, that you go through the x-ray machine, there, there's an advertisement. There's, he asks, is there any space left in this world where I'm not being marketed to? Our attention is being grabbed all the time, which means we are so distracted. And whether those concerns and distractions are genuine or shallow, distractions are distractions, and they will choke out that developing faith which seems like has given every sign of life, Jesus says. But in matters of the spirit, distractions are as deadly as Satan's most frontal assault. So as you can see, listening is challenging. It doesn't come easy to us. And it's interesting in these examples, Jesus gives two of them are people that we might consider Christians. People here in church, people who have heard the word, who have received it, but then something happened. They've responded in obedience, but then something happened and they stopped listening. And this is why we turn every week to Scripture. 
because we're practicing listening, because we know there is so much that can pull us away from that life-giving voice of God. And so we want to cultivate a listening life because if we fail to listen, we will miss out on the life God offers. And then there's this last kind of soil, good soil, uncluttered, it's receptive. The seed on good soil, Jesus says, stands for those who hear the word, who retain it, and who produce a crop. They hear the word, so again, more than just hearing happens. So they've heard it, but then they retain it. They, we, we keep it. We work it into our lives. We allow it to capture us. Back to the Shema, that prayer that the Israelites learned, that they pray twice a day. In it, we're told, listen to this, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, bind them on your head as a, as a sign on your hand and, and, and be as frontlets between your eyes. I mean, make it physical. That's saying to us, make sure it is part of your, the rhythms and, and places of your everyday life. Make it a meaningful part of everyday living. And you get this sense that listening to God is not this passive hearing. You know, you don't just sit back and say, okay, God, speak, change my life, do it, and you do nothing. No, you hear it, you retain it, you work it in. You work it into your workplace, into your home life, into your friendships, into your sexuality, into your eating, into the media you consume. The living voice gets inscribed on your heart. It becomes a part of you. It, it shapes your living. And those who listen to God, hear God's word, and they keep this word, and then something happens. Jesus promises it produces something. Something good really happens. There is a powerful thing. The word of God is a powerful thing and it produces life in us. Again, think of creation. When God speaks, it says, let there be light and there was light. It doesn't say Genesis, doesn't say let there be light and then God set about to creating light. No. He says, he speaks, let there be light and boom, there is light. It's a word of power. It immediately affects what it expresses, God's word. This is what we're dealing with. This is the living voice that you and I are invited to encounter, to experience. And Jesus uses the image of a seed. It's an interesting image. So when a seed comes in, this is the power of God's word. When a seed comes into our life, it releases power. If you're going to take glass or metal or ceramic or stones and plant them in the ground and water them and fertilize them, they're not going to grow, right? They're not going to reproduce. There's no power of life in them. A seed does. When we talk about the word of God being a seed, what Jesus is saying, there is a power that will unlock when you put it deep into your life. The very life of God comes into you through listening to God's voice, through your understanding of the word. It has the power to come into you and, and change you, release the very life of God in you. That's the power of God's word. This, this massive, beautiful crop of growth happens. And think of the complexity of the growth too. A little seed, tiny little seed gets planted. 
But a whole new organism emerges out of that, and an organism that is more complex and richer and more beautiful than just a little seed. And so as we listen, as we hear, as we work in God's word, letting it get inside of us, you're going to find yourself getting wiser and richer in your understanding, and your character is going to get deeper. You're becoming a more complex, deeper, richer human being. Has that happened to you? Have you felt that? Have you experienced the power of the gospel working in you, changing you? And the power of the gospel, and not just information, but the power of the life of God getting released in you. That is the power of God's word. That is why we privilege reading it, listening to it, because in hearing it, God works in us. We listen Because God's voice is the most precious thing you could ever imagine hearing. God's voice speaks comfort and hope in the bleakest of moments life will throw your way. When life feels its darkest and bleakest, listen for the voice of God that says, do not be afraid. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned for I am with you. The voice of God cuts through all the pretense, all the deception, all the masks that we wear, gently uncovering and revealing all that is broken and sick and sinful, all that needs help and healing and saving. God's voice speaks tender encouragement when life falls apart, when you come to the end of yourself, when despair seems to come over you, God's voice says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God's voice gives fresh strength when it feels like we just can't go another step. When doubt creeps in and and you find it difficult even to believe in a good God, listen for the voice of God that says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything? God's voice speaks forgiveness when shame and guilt bombard you, when you are crushed by the realization of your own sin and failure. Listen for the voice of mercy that says, your sins are forgiven. God's voice provides wisdom when life clouds us with confusion. It provides light for our path when we can't see the way forward. In a world where there's so much wrong, where there's abuse and injustice, God's voice promises, blessed are those who act justly and do what is right. God's voice tells the bigger story in which your life fits and finds its meaning and purpose. It is the voice that says to you, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And against all the voices of condemnation we feel, the chatter, the constant chatter in our heads of shame and blame that beat us down, the voice of God is the voice of acceptance. It is the voice of Jesus, God's living word, speaking love to your heart, saying, you are my beloved. In Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. Listen for that voice, friends. Come to worship and practice a listening life. And then take up your Bible. Listen to it in the car. Whisper it to yourselves when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed at night. Write down 
pieces of it on sticky notes. Post them around your house. Get a daily Bible reading program. Get a Bible app for your smartphone. Study it. Meditate it. Memorize it. Ask questions. Work it deep. Submit yourself to it. Do what it says, but never to master a book, but to listen for the life-giving voice of God. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak, God, because we are desperate for a voice of wisdom, for a voice of life. We confess, God, we hear in this world a whole lot of clatter and chatter that doesn't bring us life, that leaves us empty. God, would you speak? And maybe the better prayer is, God, would you help us? Would you equip us to listen? Because you are speaking, but we have remained deaf for so long. Forgive us, God. Give us ears to hear, that really hear, that listen. Make our lives one long, prolonged practice of listening to you, of finding in your voice the greatest, the most treasured thing we could ever imagine. Speak, Lord. We want to listen. Amen.